Uh, time now for Midweek Media Watch, and Jeremy Rose is in the chair tonight in Wellington. Hi, Jeremy. Kia ora, Karen. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, and you? Not too bad. Did you have a good time in the holidays with uh, your family? I, I was actually moving house, so it was kind oh. of taken up with that, but um, it was nice to have a break, yeah. You want, to, you want to start tonight by talking about Fortnite? Well, only kind of. I, I see you did an interview on it yesterday, actually, so um, I'm glad because I'll make a confession. I know nothing about Fortnite at all. But like a lot of people, it came to my attention yesterday, but for quite a different reason. I, I had come across this uh, series of interviews, a beginning of a series called Indigenous 100, and I wanted to know a bit more about it. It's Julian Wilcox, the former Native Affairs interviewer, is doing the interviews. And so I went on the Tamangu Pahu site to see what I could find out because it's funded by them. And um, there was nothing there. So I gave their publicity guy a ring, uh, Larry Parr, and he couldn't find it. And then he got back to me and said, oh, look, it's actually, it's a bit, the whakapapa of the funding is unusual. He said there was this proposal to create a kind of online streaming te reo Māori game to go along with Fortnite and it was due to start filming in Christchurch in late March Um, and then the mosque attack happened and the producers of this program and Tamangupahu agreed that it would just be completely inappropriate to start filming a kind of shoot them up type program in Christchurch at that time and so they said what should we do with the funding and Mahitahi, which is the Mahitahi Media, the company, came up with this idea of Indigenous 100. And it's a series of interviews with Indigenous leaders um, by Julian Wilcox, as I mentioned. And, I, and I've always thought he's one of the best interviewers on TV. Um, he was lost to communications. He went to work for Naitahu. Um, and the first, they put the first three up last week. And the very first one is with Pania Newton, the um, leader at Ihu Matau. Um, let's have a listen to the beginning of that now. What is happening is at Ihu Matau is having an impact on our, our global indigenous communities. And uh, whatever comes of this movement, I hope it's so long as it supports the movement to uphold indigenous rights. So that was the very beginning, and the interview, the first question from Julian was this. What were you doing before you came here today? Well, um, I actually snuck away from um, the wharepaku duties uh, this morning. You were um, doing the wharepaku duties? Yeah, so every morning I'm tasked with the responsibility to open up the marae toilets uh-huh. and allow our campers to come through and have a horoi, and then I'm meant to go back and uh, close the toilets and also clean them, so I've snuck away this morning. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is the, the, I won't use rangatira, but the leader on rostered on wharepaku duties? Um... <laughs> I, I guess I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, so that was, well, as I said, Pani and Newton. And it's a, that interview runs for a 111 minutes. It's, so it's extremely long. You'd never see anything like it on television. And I just, I just thought it was fabulous, actually. It's, it's a young leader that we have heard a lot from, but at that length, you just get to hear a whole lot 
more about her, about the sacrifices she's made, about growing up with a father in Mount Eden. It's just a really, really interesting interview and I think really promising for what's coming up. They've they've got a couple of other interviews already up. Um, One is with Francis and Kaiora Tipani of the Casketeers. Um, and the others with Kapahaka legends Reikura Kahi and Ka- Kawariki Morgan. Um, that one is completely in Tereo Māori and there are subtitles. And even if you're not a speaker of Māori like I'm not, there's something quite delightful about listening to people who are so fluent just having a good time. Um, so, yeah, I'd really recommend that. It's, it's As always, I've, I've put links on the web version of the um of this story, which is on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website. And, um, yeah, it's a, f- a fascinating development. Yes, and the you know, the, the uh, not going ahead with that game initially has been really good for that program, obviously, because that budget would have been quite large, one assumes. I think that, well, the budget was 226000 I don't know how low, large that is. That will create, I think, it wasn't quite clear to me, it's eight podcasts and eight interviews I I imagine they're the same thing Um, but I was speaking to one of the a representative from Mahitahi Media and they said that they're committed to the idea of doing a hundred and they are committed to the idea that it will be an international indigenous interview program so they won't limit themselves to New Zealanders. Tomorrow's interview, they come out every Thursday. Tomorrow's is going to be Sir Tipini O'Regan. Um, and the first non Māori is, um, oh, sorry, it slipped my mind, a, a rugby player. I just can't think which one. And talking about long-form journalism, you'd like to talk about very long-form journalism. Yeah, the BWB Techs. These are these, um, there's been more than 50 of them now. These are, They call them... Um, short books on big subjects and people may remember I think the there's they've been on everything from Parihaka to the welfare state to uh, doubling the refugee quota and they are very short books but very long essays and there was one this week that came out called Rebuilding the Kainga Lessons from Te Ao Huruhuru by Jade Kake. Um, and one of the things which happens, which I find interesting, is when these books come out, you get to hear there tends to be a whole lot of interviews with the author and write-ups. So, so even if you don't buy the book, you tend to get a little bit of the message. And um, that's exactly what happened this time. Jade Kake, a young Māori architect, was interviewed on The Nation. Let's listen to a bit of her now. We're here at the at the Bara and one of my cousins is starting the process of regenerating the Finua. And so the vision is that there's gonna be a Mara like this one all throughout Papakainga and it's gonna feed our whanau and create more than enough kai and look after the Finua. So yeah, the book um, inspired that interview. It inspired a interview by Itangata. And the spin-off ran a, um, a piece by Jade as well. So it's, I, I do just think it's a really interesting way of creating long-form journalism. It's been really successful, 50 books. I think, you know, they, they need support to make sure they keep coming out. But um, have, you, have you come across any of them? 
I have. We, we spoke to uh, Mel Bunce, uh, her book, The Broken Estate, The State of New Zealand Media. Yeah. And that was a really good chat. I know you spoke to her briefly too on Media Watch, but... Um, we did, we, and, and she, she, she mentions this very kindly in the book as well. So... Um, it's a good book. I've got it at home because I took it home to read it, and it's a it's a great essay on the state of the New Zealand media because she covers everything off, of course. Yeah, no, I think it is. It's a way of, I mean, like I say, it's very long form journalism, but it seems to me, you know, it's, it's they don't require quite the same amount of effort as as traditional long books. So so they're putting them out quite quickly, and and it's it's just really valuable. That's Bridget Williams' books, I think, BWB. That, that's right, yeah, Bridget, Bridget Williams and Tom, Tom Rennie, Rennie is the editor of those. Um, I actually went, as a result of that, I went and listened to Jade Karke talk at the Wellington City Library. So they also kind of create these, sorry, not the library, that's actually Earthquake, the City Gallery. Um, you know, they create events around them and it's, you know, her talk and the book, gives a completely different view of housing. You know, we you would think we've talked so much about housing, but to get the papakainga kind of point of view and a very Māori look at it is is something quite new, I think, and, and really exciting. Essays make good reading, don't they? I've just been watching a documentary um, on Joan Didion, who great, was, of course was one of the great... Is US that the one on essayists. Netflix? Yes, uh, The Centre Cannot Hold. And uh, yeah, a fabulous um, documentary in itself, but uh, it reminds you of all the great essays that she wrote. Absolutely, and so those those two interviews, you know, the the with both with young dynamic Indigenous women, um, made me think about some of the international coverage lately. And we've had these Indigenous, well, we've had these protests in Ecuador, which have led to seven people being killed, and in fact. Whenever I saw them mentioned, whenever you know that they were, it, it did get quite a lot of reportage. They always mentioned that they were indigenous-led, but I, I didn't see in in all of that. I didn't see any actual interviews with indigenous leaders from Ecuador, which I think would have been interesting. And because they have got an interesting history in that area, they they were the first country on earth to include rights of nature in their constitution. A few years back, now Rafael. Correa, the then president, asked the world to pay them to keep the oil in the ground. And one of the interesting things in this is, is, is the one thing you saw reported a lot was that the indigenous people, the protests, were demanding that they restore the subsidy on fuel. And, you know, that seems a bit counterintuitive. We think of indigenous people as being the leaders of the uh, climate change kind of movement. So I would have really liked to hear an interview with an indigenous person Um you know, maybe something like the Indigenous 100 in the future, we might get to hear those types of interviews. I think that would be would be great. Um, I did come across, and I've linked to it, an interview with the lawyer who represents the Indigenous leadership, and that's on Democracy Now!, so there's a link to that on the uh, website as well. And finally, you want to talk about the under-reporting of one aspect of Turkey's assault on the Kurds in Syria. Yeah, again, this is kind of an Indigenous issue, I think, but I suppose I've been... About six years ago, I lined up an interview for Wallace Chapman with um, a woman called Janet Beale, and she's the widow of this kind of anarchist thinker, Murray Butchkin. And his ideas have been adopted by the Kurds in Rojava, um, Kobani's being the city. And 
it's kind of quite an extraordinary story. So there's been this, um, his he he became a, a kind of libertarian municipalist. He called himself. It was the idea that. He, he was anti the idea of the state, but pro the idea of local bodies and very local democracy. And the leader of the Kurdish movement read this while he was in prison, and um, it has been kind of adopted. And we can listen to a little bit of Janet's interview with Wallace now. Every institution, whether it's um, you know deputies that are elected to another to a because there's, there's the, the councils, the assemblies feed into these councils, as I said. So there's sort of multiple tiers of the councils, but they they have to be two deputies, one male, one female, and the quota yes is forty percent. It's they call it a gender quota, not a women's quota, because sometimes there's more women than men, so you have to have at least forty percent men. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so- you know, I think the one bit of it that did get a lot of publicity was the YPG, the women's uh, military brigades that were fighting and, and very successfully against ISIS. But it has just been this extraordinary experiment in grassroots democracy um, that I don't think we've heard nearly enough about. And uh, there's a good backgrounder that Joshua Keating wrote. He, he points out some of the flaws and the fact that it probably wasn't quite as democratic as some of its uh, champions say. But I think just an absolutely fascinating kind of area, and it would have been great to see a few more interviews about what's being lost with this Turkish assault. Very good, Jeremy. Well, thank you very much. And all of those stories, as you say, are linked on the Media Watch page. Yes, they are.